some fun? It is the Jesse Kelly Show. on a, It's Thanksgiving Eve. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Wednesday. So, I, look, I can't drag us down all night. I just just one more thing. Did you hear? Did you hear CNN when they discovered that that wingnut who shot up a gay bar in Colorado? Did you hear how just stunned they were that it wasn't one of these guys in a mega hat? So, attorneys for the accused shooter say in new court filings tonight that the suspect now identifies as non-binary. The public defenders say, quote, Anderson Aldrich is non-binary. They use they, them pronouns, and for the purposes of all formal filings, will be addressed as Mix Aldrich. So in other words, not Mr. or Ms. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's not anything that we had heard from his background. You know, people have been looking into his background, and uh, I don't know if anybody here, are you guys lawyers? I mean, you know. Listen to how stunned she is. Just bewildered. To what? I mean, he what? How is he non-binary? I, I had already assigned all these murders to, to my political enemies who I want to destroy. Oh no, he's he's non-binary. Which brings me to this. I'm sure you heard because they basically happened at the same time. There was a bunch of attacks on a, a gay bar in Hell's Kitchen. Well, turns out the guy quote says, "I'm gay myself." said it was revenge on behalf of a female friend. And I'm not going to dwell on this any longer because we're going to move on, but I will just say there is video out there of this person chucking one of these bricks. You can see it plain as day, this person chucking one of the bricks. If you saw this person's throwing motion and you're shocked that he turned out to be gay, that's a you problem. That's all I have to say. That's a you problem. Jesse, why are shooters always known to law enforcement? Are they criminal informants? Seems to be a pattern. Well, a couple answers for this. One, sometimes, sometimes they are criminal informants. Oftentimes, they are criminal informants. Make of that what you will. But there is something else. And we've talked about this a lot. We t- I, I, in fact, let's talk about this again since it's been a long time. People complain now, and I complain now, about the horrible crimes in the cities. Horrible crimes in the cities. How all of our cities, it's not just New York, all of our cities have gone downhill. And a big reason this has gone downhill is not just because they've attacked the cops and attacked the cops and a bunch of the good ones are retiring and a bunch of the new ones are turds. That's part of it. But another part of it is this. They keep letting the bad guys out of jail. Well, here's what's crazy. We see headlines. You wake up every single day and you flip open uh, New York Post and you see someone stabbed in the subway, someone shot, someone this, someone that. And what it looks like, what it looks like is, man, there's just so many criminals. There's just tons and tons of criminals and tons of violent people out there. That's what it looks like. And look, tons or lots, those are words that are obviously subject to interpretation. But that's not really what you're seeing. You think that's what you're seeing, but it's not. You, you ever talk to any cops? I encourage you to get to know some cops. I have a bunch of buddies on Houston, uh, Houston Police Department, NYPD. I have a bunch of buddies on there. You talk to any cops that you know, sit down, have a beer with them. They'll tell you, we know who the bad guys are. They have an area where they patrol. You have a precinct that specializes in a specific area, and they know who the bad guys are in this area. 
In fact, when they hear of a crime, oftentimes all they have to do is hear of a crime on the radio. And depending on the type of crime, most cops who've been there for a while have already narrowed it down in their heads. A list, a short list of suspects who probably committed the crime. And they're almost always correct because it's not that there are a 10 million bad guys who murder people in New York City. It's that the bad guys that are known... They don't keep them locked up at all. Why are these criminals always known? Some guy vandalizing a bar, shooting up a bar, bank robbery, gas station robbery. Why are they always known? Because there's only a certain few bad people in your area. Drug addicts, mental health, whatever whatever you want to call them. Of course they're known. This nut in Colorado, his father was a porn star. And he is, quote, non-binary. He doesn't know if he's a man or a woman. Do you think that guy is mentally just killing it? You think, well, actually, that's a bad way to put that. You think that guy is mentally doing well? Or do you think that guy has some mental issues? That's why I hate how the right talks about trans people in the military. Well, I mean, maybe not. They should just be quiet about it. No. If you have a man who thinks he can chop his penis off and become a woman, fine. Live your life the way you want. But no, you don't get to come in the military because you're not mentally prepared to be in the military. Period. You're not. Go do whatever you want to do with your life and your body. That's up to you. No, you're not allowed in. We have standards. Goodbye. Go be a woman somewhere else. They know who the bad guys are. Why are they always known? I mean... Think about this dude. Like I said, I just told you who his father is. I told you who he is. Do you really think you just go from being a normal, polite citizen to someone who walks into a gay bar with a rifle and starts blasting away at people? You were a psycho already, and there was all kinds of build-up to this. This was just the coup de grace, which reminds me. Are you going to practice with your weapon for 10 minutes this Thanksgiving break? Because just in the past week or so, we've had shootings in a gay bar. We've had shootings in a Walmart. Don't think that, hey, Jesse, I don't go to those places because so I'll be safe. A Walmart. You ever go to Walmart? Shootings in grocery stores. Someone just drove a car through the window of an Apple store. There are nutballs out there, and they're not keeping them locked up. Carry your weapon and practice with your weapon. Mantis X lets you practice in the comfort of your home. Dry fire practice, drills, 94% of shooters improve within 20 minutes. I've told you how fast you get better. It's not just that you get better, how fast you get better. The Green Berets use it for a reason. The Green Berets use Mantis X. How freaking cool is that? Get your Mantis X today. Go to MantisX.com, all right? MantisX.com. We have asked Dr. Jesse questions. Someone has a Marine Corps question for me may actually have a surprising answer for you there. And local corruption. We talk all the time about national corruption, about how this president's corrupt and this congressman and this senator and things like that. And those things are mostly true. Local corruption is what we all ignore, and that's where the real dirty stuff is. Hang on. It is 
the Jesse Kelly Show on a Wednesday, a Thanksgiving Eve. Before I get to this Ask Dr. Jesse question and local corruption, speaking of evil people, our old friend Klaus Schwab is still out there doing the Bond movie villain thing. And this time, he's praising China and saying what they do should be for everybody. On the G20, you were there meeting some of the leaders as well. Professor Schwab, what do you make of the results? I think it's positive. It's uh, through the fact that everybody agreed about the statement, which we haven't had the last years. Now, the base has been formed. But we have to go one step further. We have to have a strategic mood. We have to construct the world of tomorrow. It's a systemic transformation of the world. So we have to define how the world should look like. Remember, these people are truly evil. And they see themselves as kings and queens. And you as the peasants who should have no freedoms at all. That's the systemic transfer he's talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, he has a jar of peanut butter and he's not afraid to use it. Here comes Eric Metaxas. Folks, welcome back. We are now in hour two of our program. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> Mr. Zamirak. Um, You're never going to get that out of your brain now. Uh, his work can be found at stream.org. Stream.org, stream.org, stream.org. John, what should we talk about? Well, I've got a nice... What? Election abuses. What would you like to talk about? I've got a nice piece coming out. Um, just before Thanksgiving for, for, for stream readers, it's, it's conversational gambits to placate your doomed woke kin. Uh, don't tell me that's the the title, the mellifluous catchy title. Yes. Yes. Titles, titles have to explain everything. You can't do clever titles anymore. Titles conversational gambits to placate your doomed woke kin to placate your doomed woke kin. Okay. So it's about, all right, wise guy, Thanksgiving table. Yeah. So give us, give us some ideas, some conversational gambits you refer to in this article. Like let's say a member of your family is a, is a self-righteous vegan, like a moralistic vegan, someone who, who, if they see somebody else eating a burger, we'll start talking to them about factory farms, right? And of course, 99.9% of people who are self-righteous vegans are also pro-choice. They, they want to protect and give rights to every creature on Earth, except the mysterious creature, we don't know what it is, that lives in a womb, mother's womb for nine months before it magically turns into a baby by going through the, 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 the miraculous birth canal. John, I got to tell you something. A lot of people might be freaked out to hear this, but I know for a fact, uh, and this is just because of family records, that I was once one of those mysterious creatures. I know I'm rare. But <laughs> the fact is that I was once one of those mysterious uh, uh, creatures that uh, many people 
wish it were legal uh, to be able to murder. And you so messed I throw that in because people right, and you, know that about me, that I was once yeah. one of those mysterious inchoate lumps. You, and you magically transformed from an inchoate blob of protoplasm into a human being by going through the magic birth canal. And that because was that's in the, the same sun- hospital as you went that's through the magic right. birth canal. Uh, this is in the 1960s in Astoria, Queens. Isn't it amazing, John? This that is you the science. Somehow were magically transformed like lead into gold through some alchemical yeah. process from nothing into sacred human beings. Please continue. So if you if you if any if you have a family member um, or let's say an in-law or some someone unwisely married who is one of these self-righteous vegans who who thinks that frogs have rights, but unborn babies don't. um, What are you going to do? You have to feed this person, right? Feeding the hungry. That's in the New Testament. You can't just not feed him. But if you give them an elaborate vegan meal, you're you're empowering them and you're encouraging them to think this is an opportunity. I have a captive audience. Let me evangelize everyone here on the evils of how turkeys, how turkeys are factory farmed and how the broccoli you're eating was grown with pesticides, which is causing environmental devastation, which is why we need to stop having children. And and then this person starts looking angrily at everybody in the, in the, in the, every member of the family who has more than 1.2 children. Um, so what do you do with such a person? And I have an idea. You, and at first you're kind of playing a trick on your own mind. Okay. You're, you're not thinking of this as someone who's philosophically ridiculous, someone who has beliefs that make you angry. You're not focusing on these negative things. You're imagining this is not some inconsistent, self-righteous pro-choicer. This is a picky three-year-old. What do you do when you have a three-year-old's a picky eater? You make them little dinosaur nuggets. So what I suggest you do is you get these tofu patties or saitan, whatever vegan patties are out there. You fry them up and you cut them into dinosaur nuggets. And I, I offer a link to a dinosaur cookie cutter. So you make little dinosaur tofu nuggets and you put them on leaves of kale and you have little butter lettuce cups with different dipping sauces, and you provide this person with a delicious tofu meal. John, did the did the butter lettuce suffer when it was butchered? I just want to be clear. Cream silently, but it was organic, so it it was okay. Okay, you don't so, think people could be triggered because the it would imply that they're eating a dinosaur, which would be very cruel to the dinosaur. It would be, even though it's been dead for millions of years. So. As this, my my idea is, if this forty year old adult, maybe with tenure, is eating dinosaur shaped tofu nuggets, he won't feel empowered to preach about his ethical views to a table <laughs> full of people who are eating regular food. He'll probably just be kind of quiet and mellow and and reflective, and and that kind of reflection is it's, it can only be good. Or you're a sick person. And that's what I love about you, John. But I want to be very clear. Uh, I feel like I have to say this every now and again, just to be clear with people. Right. Um, Jesus ate fish. Jesus ate honey. Jesus ate lamb. Jesus ate red meat. Uh, 
So I want to be clear that I believe he was perfect and sinless. So this doesn't mean you have to eat meat. Uh, It doesn't mean you have to eat fish. But do keep in mind that Jesus, uh, whom some of us crazy people worship as God uh, and who was perfect and sinless, he ate red meat at the Passover, as is commanded. Uh, He ate fish. He ate honey. So we need to at least remind ourselves that you can't outdo Jesus morally. If you have a problem uh, with factory farming or that kind of thing, I get that. Like, I'm not I care. Believe me, folks, I care about that kind of thing. Uh, And it's one thing to talk about that. But I don't think you you can make if you're a Christian, you you can't make a moral issue out of the concept of of eating uh, meat or fish. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, I agree completely. Look, I rescue dogs. So I, I'm very, and I won't, I try not to buy meat unless it's what they call happy meat, where the, the animal has lived a good life. And I'm all for that. There's a brand called Nyman Ranch that, that they produce happy pork. And I'm all for that, but I'm, I'm just offering ideas. And really I was just writing a humor column to prepare for Thanksgiving. And I have some other ideas. How much time do we have before the next break? Uh, go ahead. Okay, fine. What if you have a family member who did something shocking and, and horrifying that but sadly common, who someone who went and lived in California and came back having adopted the official state religion of Gaia worship. Um, and this this person brings back her religious beliefs to you. How do you deal with that at Thanksgiving? Okay. Uh, How do you deal with that at Thanksgiving? <laughs> a guy, a worshiping former Californian comes to the table. That's right. Yeah, what? Yeah. Well, I, it's tempting to argue. Okay. It's tempting to, to get in a fight about like the 2020 election or, or Donald Trump or gun rights, but, I recommend a different technique, one which psychologist Carl Rogers developed for dealing with particularly intransigent delusional patients in state mental hospitals in the late 1950s. Um, it, it's called it's Rogerian listening, where someone says something and rather than engage it, you affirm that you heard it and you check it back with them and you say, OK. I hear you saying that orange man is bad. And they say, yes, I said orange man is bad. Okay. So, so you basically, you do the Rogerian affirmation thing, but each time you exaggerate it. Okay. Now, wait a second. This sounds like it's going to get complex and very funny. We're going to go to a break, folks. We are talking to John. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it might be Zmirak. Don't go away. Welcome back. Talking to John Zmirak. John Zmirak, you're a cruel person. And I like that about you. you uh, you've written a piece at the stream called Conversational Gambits to Placate Your Doomed Woke Kin at Thanksgiving, presumably. OK, so you're talking about using this Carl Rogers That's way right. of affirming their statements. You're saying orange man bad, correct? Right. Go ahead. I hear you saying that election deniers should be imprisoned i hear you saying that 
private firearms should all be confiscated. You, you just repeat back to the president. You make sure that you accurately heard what they said. But and here's where I think it can be fun. You make it a little crazier. So if the person says, I don't I, I think election deniers and climate deniers are unfit parents. You say, I hear you saying that election deniers and climate deniers are unfit parents and should be sterilized by the government. And your 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 family member from California will probably say, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. And what you do is every crazy thing this person says, you you repeat it back to them made 33.3% crazier. And by the end, this person will not be angry. They will go home feeling affirmed, feeling that they've been listened to, feeling that actually you you had a lot of creative input to offer to their worldview, but everyone else at the table will hear this person completely discredit themselves by endorsing the nuttiest crap imaginable, which you have put into their mouth. John, you're, so everybody wins. You're plum loco. And that's my favorite thing about you. Uh, so you people can read this at stream.org, conversational gambits to placate your doomed woke kin at Thanksgiving. Are there other things you want to want to talk about? At well, some there's point one more you, before you go. I want to I want to touch on the, the film Amsterdam, but go sure. ahead. Whatever you want to talk there's about. One more conversation. Oh, I'm sorry. This I'm is, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. This is ahead. what if things are a little well. In the story, I do talk about a previous incident um, from back in the back in the late 90s or early 2000s. An example. Of, this is back when I was honing my ability as the great diplomat. You know, everyone thinks of me as Henry Kissinger, Clemens Metternich. I am the great diplomat. People can be people can get into arguments. And when I'm done talking, they usually are just silent. You can hear them breathing. And I feel like I've I've kind of created a kind of Antarctic wasteland of peace and and mellowness and reflectiveness. And I'll give you an example of it. I was at a cocktail party held by Pfizer. This was back when Pfizer was considered conservative, when they were sponsoring conservative cocktail parties in Manhattan. Do you remember? It was called the Fabiani Society. Do you I remember? am shocked that, that this is true, but uh, go ahead. Back before Pfizer was part of the global conspiracy to force the dead baby vaccine on us, it actually was kind of sympathetic to conservatives. And I was there. Um, there was one very loudly gay libertarian um, who I knew from Yale because he he was an alum and he would show up at our alumni events and make really aggressive gay statements to me because he heard I was Catholic. And he thought, you know, that would make me go to the girls room and cry or something. Well, <laughs> this guy was there. Then there was Ramesh Panuru from National Review, who at the time was sort of in his religious quest. And so I get stuck talking to them. Ramesh says, well, you know, I've I've been flirting with becoming a, a Catholic and flirting with become a Bat, becoming a Baptist, but I just haven't made up my mind. And at this, the gay guy says, well, sweetie, you just make sure it stays a flirtation. You don't go all the way with any of those nasty old religions. Now, are you sure these people won't have a problem with you repeating this? This, on this, the published, this was published like 15 years ago. OK, uh, uh, this is the cue for everybody to laugh at religion and sort of nervously move on with the conversation. But they weren't counting on me. I turned to Ramesh and I said, Ramesh, actually, I think you should have anonymous encounters with hundreds of strange religions in public restrooms. That's 
that's funny and they, sick. They ran sick. off as if I had pulled the pin on a grenade. That's Job done, sick, John. That's Drop the mic. Sick. I, I don't know so, that I can recommend that. That, uh, but it's the fact that you did that 15 years ago sounds about right. When somebody's actually making fun, not of you, not of your political party, but of the gospel itself, of Christianity. I don't know. I think it's merited. I, I, he, I, you know what I find fascinating is that I never know where people are coming from. Like when somebody says something like that, are they just being funny or do they really mean don't take God seriously? I mean, I don't know the person when no, you say it's a libertarian, I kind of assume he's a libertarian not who taking God very seriously regularly would, would make anti-Christian remarks to me. And so I, I anyway, that, I feel that like I can only go so far with I John feel like, Eric, folks. You better watch it. I feel like I had not prepared this witticism. It just jumped <laughs> in my head. So I think it was the Holy Spirit. I, Holy oh Spirit God. gives me really nasty comebacks. He, he works differently with different people. And with me, he gives me really nasty, bitter, biting com- comebacks. Some of which well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't describe it as nasty. It's harsh, but not nasty. I don't think the Holy Spirit is capable of nastiness. Right. So I think it was harshness because uh, Jesus said some heavy things that yeah. were kind of like mic drop, mind blowing. Uh oh, who's this yeah. guy? You are your father, the devil, who is a liar from the beginning. Uh, yes. Which is another good comeback. A, I've a, not used that one. A little non winsome. Okay, folks, before we come back with more John's Mirac, let me remind you we got an email today from the Nutramedic folks 35% off. Only the rest of this month. So that's like nine or 10 days, 35% off if you use the code Eric, Nutramedics.com, 35% off if you use the code Eric. We'll be right back with John Smirak. Folks, welcome back. Talking to John. I don't know how you pronounce it. I think it might be Zmirak. Zmirak. John Zmirak, what other kooky, destructive ideas do you have to do uh, to share at the Thanksgiving table? And again, the goal is to prevent a loud, heated argument and replace that with a nice glacial silence of the kind that <laughs> my mother was very good at being Irish. She could she could not talk to you for two or three days at a time. And and that and that that silence spoke more than many, many words. So so far I've talked about like funny things that that you know you could sort of laugh off. But what if something serious, seriously bad? Like, let's say a member of your family is into the occult and wants to talk about that at the Thanksgiving dinner table, how she goes to a shaman, she channels spirits. Let's say she whips out a Ouija board and says, why don't we summon grandma? Aren't you curious about the afterlife? I brought a Ouija board. Let's let's do a Ouija board. Won't that be a fun family activity? How do you deal with something like that? Well, you you just can't be playful with it. You, you can't just be sarcastic about it. This is something, you know, you're you're someone is venturing into dangerous spiritual waters. Well, I, again, I have a suggestion in my column at stream.org. I say 
you maintain a kind of winsome, happy, welcoming smile, and you walk over to the person and you say, you're such an original, and you give them a little hug while you sprinkle them with the holy water and recite the prayers of exorcism. And I offer a little link to the exorcism prayers that you would use for someone who might be demonically possessed. Or if, you know, say you're evangelical Pentecostal, you lay hands on them and smile with a smile. You, you know, you rebuke Satan and all the evil spirits that this person has brought into us. And then you give them a little little knock in the elbow and when they when they're gone you can then read the full exorcism prayers and go around the entire house with holy water driving out whatever demons they have brought with them well i gotta tell you people there's so many people there are probably people listening right now who don't realize how unbelievably dangerous it is to flirt with the occult folks you have no idea what you're playing with uh even getting involved in yoga I mean, but that's that's a that's kind of a mild version. Nonetheless, this is dangerous, dangerous stuff. And you do not do not want to let this stuff into your life. So it's like licking like say that it's like licking the seats on a Greyhound bus. It's like licking doorknobs on public bathrooms. You are opening yourself up to infection by something infinitely more dangerous than any virus, any bacterium that is on the face of the earth. You're opening wide the gates. Hey, everybody, here's my pin code. Hey, everybody, here's the password to my bank account and to my computer. Only you're not endangering earthly things. Yeah. You're endangering your eternal soul. Oh, no, it's it's horrifying stuff. We, we, uh, we'll be talking. We haven't had my friend Ken Fish on this program for quite some time we got to get him back on to talk about this stuff but it's so real we don't have a ton of time with you are we going to talk about election abuses what are, what sure, are sure. i've got i've got a little piece up at the stream about the fact that uh the arizona election is not settled you know carrie lake there's still hope that carrie lake will, will end up governor of arizona because we see that the democrats intentionally uh disenfranchised conservative voters they were huge, huge problems with ele- with voting machines in conservative Republican districts. And they refused to extend the time for the polls. People are waiting seven hours to vote. When 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 this happens to, to, to liberals, it's called voter suppression. And the people call in the, the, the uh, Voting Rights Act. But when it happens to conservatives, you're just supposed to shut up. And if you say anything about it, you are an election denier. And that word, that phrase was crafted very carefully, election denier. It's meant to evoke Holocaust denier. This is a sleazy, manipulative tactic. Inventing this, this term was a way of equating your fellow Americans who criticize voting practices, equating them with neo-Nazis. It's disgusting and it's typical of the left. Everywhere I go, people say, well, how can we possibly survive with all this fraud and, and, and so on going on? Carrie Lake is such a fighter. I really do hope that she and my friend Charlie Kirk will push for clarity and that she will not concede because it does seem openly nefarious it doesn't seem like well there's no way to prove it it seems like uh in in a number of cases but particularly in the in arizona maricopa county that they're going to be in big trouble because they actually did try to suppress the votes of americans it's amazing but 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 the way the media is treating it now if you raise any questions about any election 
You're a conspiracy theorist. You're dangerous. You want to come in insurrection. So what have they done? They have said it's okay to steal. It's okay to cheat on elections right. forever because anyone who says anything about it from the right is a conspiracy theorist who should be driven off the internet, fired from his job and investigated by the FBI. What a coup. If they get away with this, they have permission to steal every election for the rest of American history. And we're not allowed to talk about it because if we do, we're like the guy with the Viking helmet in the house of representatives who, by the way, I thought that was hilarious. I actually did too. Uh, But humor is not permitted in the Marxist state. Uh, it really is kind of interesting, isn't it? Like that, that anything arch, humorous, whatever, they don't have the ability to comprehend it. It's really like like the Chinese uh, cultural revolution of the 60s. It is deeply wicked, anti-human, anti-humor. Um, you see why Saturday Night Live is not the least bit funny. It's now like one of those 1950s hygiene films about avoiding venereal disease. Only those are unintentionally funny. Saturday Night Live is not even unintentionally funny. It's just sad. Right. Um, You so you write about election abuses at stream.org. Did you write also about how Ted Cruz accused McConnell of I mean, McConnell, we've got to we've got to take that turtle and put him on a fence post someplace (laughs) where he can do no more trouble. That is actually the photo that I have on my Twitter now is of a turtle on a fence post just because I think it's important that he be retired where, you know, and he's not going to do that to himself because a turtle can't climb up a fence post. So we're going to have to do it. I don't know how that's going to happen. Well, we just got 20 seconds left and then we'll be back. Final comment. Rhinos are worse than left-wing Democrats. Rhinos are the real and ultimate enemy because they're trying to take our own party away from us. And that's a, and that's a fact. All right, folks, going to a break. I want to remind you, Nutramedics only this month, November, the last nine days we have left, whatever it is, 35% off if you use the code ERIC. That's a very special thing. They gave that to us this morning. Please take advantage of it. 35% off. We'll be right back with John Smirak. I never noticed them until I got this feeling that it's later than it seems. Doctor, my Um, I've been watching The Crown. Have you been watching The Crown? Oh, I watched that. I watched it up through the the, the uh, Lady Diana part. Yeah, I've watched most of so it. So you've watched the new season, season five? No, I have not seen well, season, season I didn't five. Season five was- is now out with Imelda Staunton oh. as the queen. Imelda Staunton, who's a great actress, does a particularly great job. It is really a little bit astonishing uh, to watch her um, in in the role and I have to say, nothing's perfect, but The Crown, uh, unfortunately, it's on Netflix. But I got to tell you, the fact that somebody has produced five seasons, I'm guessing there's going to be a sixth. It is just extremely well done. It is yeah. so well done. Uh, but if you haven't seen season five, I we watched the whole, we binge watched it recently. Um, and then when the 10th episode was over, I thought, now what? Now what? Well, I thought I got an idea. Let's see if John Zmirek's recommendation Amsterdam is available. So we wa- last night we watched the film that you keep talking about called Amsterdam. I didn't love it. I couldn't really recommend it, but I liked it. And I, I like everything you said about it. It was true. There was there's a lot that's good in it. 
But it is hilarious to me that here you have a guy like Robert De Niro who's screaming F Trump, you know, from public microphones uh, in a film. They the people who made the film, by the way, it was a box office bomb. It, it made, I think, 30 million. I think it costs 150 million. Really yeah. crazy. But it 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 seems to try to imply like to make a parallel that there's going to be a coup, you know, to install Trump as dictator. That's oh, my God. That's so stupid. It didn't even occur to me watching the movie. That's oh, yeah. so no, stupid. It's, it's so even... obvious that what they're saying is we've got to preserve democracy and the Constitution. You hear this is Robert De Niro saying this. I mean, it's, it might as well be, uh, you know, Rob Reiner or Bette Midler. They actually are so turned around that they believe Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. It's all very clear to them that January 6th was an insurrection and we can't let him back on Twitter. And it's so obvious. And I want to be clear, folks, they really believe this. So it's one thing, you know, to disagree with them, but you have to understand they actually believe that. So they make this film Amsterdam. And at the end, it's kind of obvious that's what they're trying to say. And I thought it's so sad because they really somehow believe that they're a bunch of Americans who hate the Constitution. M- most of the people who voted for Trump are not only familiar with the Constitution, but love the Constitution. But it is so funny to me at the end of the movie, it goes kind of off in that bizarre direction. Well, the thing is, the movie, the real villain of the movie is Planned Parenthood, though the filmmakers don't know it. And there are people in America who hate the Constitution and want to get rid of democracy, but they are the left. What the left is, whenever the left accuses the, us of something, they are engaged in psychological projection. And you know that's what they intend to do because it's spilling out. So when they say, you want to take away freedom of speech, they're the ones censoring the internet. They're the ones saying that epidemiologists can't express their opinion on COVID if it doesn't agree with the World Health Organization and some 22-year-old at YouTube. They're the ones taking away doctors' medical licenses. They're the ones kicking people off Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. Because they're they the literally ones- think Adolf Hitler has been resurrected and uh, you and I and others are trying to help him to destroy America. The irony is painful. Thank goodness we're out of time. John Zmirak, thank you for being our guest. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.